1: You may remember the name Richard Luthman. Uh, Richard Luthman was a very colorful attorney in the New York area who uh, got a whole lot of attention, uh, was even on the front page of the New York Post around 2015, for trying to be part of a real-life Game of Thrones by... Um, challenging one of his foes in two lawsuits to settle their differences with a fight to the death, well, since then he has had a lot of very colorful clients and in the interest of full disclosure, people should know he 's done uh, a lot of legal work um, for for me over the years, mostly related to political stuff i don 't think uh, I ever paid him for any of that, but which for which i 'm very grateful but uh, then he also was uh, involved in some other incidents, subsequently was arrested in a federal case and a state case, uh, went to prison and is now out of prison and joins us now live on the radio. Richard, thanks so much for joining
0: me. Frank, good to hear your voice. How are you?
1: I'm doing okay. Uh, how are you doing? How is uh, how is adjusting to life after prison treating you?
0: Listen, I'm I'm uh, enjoying myself down in Florida. It's a it's a free state. And, uh, you know, I I hear that things in New York are getting worse and worse every day. So I'm happy to be here.
1: Now, you uh, were involved in a federal case. You were represented by my friend uh, Arthur Idala and his firm. You ended up taking a guilty plea in that case. That case had some things to do with uh, threatening people and kidnapping and a scrap metal scheme. You took a guilty plea in that case. You went to prison for that case. That case is sort of a, a settled matter. We're not doing anything to reopen that case, right?
0: Well, not at this point, but uh, things are never settled if uh, new evidence comes to light.
1: Got it. okay, so now there was also as if you know the old saying when it rains, it pours, right around the time that you you got jammed up with this federal case, You were investigated by the in a state case. They had to appoint a special prosecutor because one of the people tangentially involved was the district attorney and his wife, who at the time was the chief administrative judge in uh, in Staten Island, involving creating fake Facebook pages of politicians. Now, before we get into the news on this case, why would somebody why would you create fake Facebook pages? Is this due to satire? Or is this some sort of a political strategy? Why would someone create fake Facebook pages of politicians?
0: Well, there was an article in 2011 in The, in the, the Guardian that detailed a United States government operation of creating fake Facebook pages, uh, sock puppets as they call them, in order to further United States interests around the world. So they would create pages and they would uh, pump out all of their propaganda, you know, United States government propaganda throughout the world. And once that was uh, revealed, that the United States government was engaging in the activity in in 2011, the, the argument was, well, now everybody's going to engage in this activity. The private sector, businesses, politics, everywhere else. And uh, basically, uh, Facebook... Uh, didn't regulate any of this and it doesn't regulate this a lot because you'll see you know fake Facebook profiles all over the place. So that was the genesis of the idea. The genesis of the idea was to uh, create these fake Facebook fake Twitter profiles for strictly political purposes. The no personal gain to me, no pecuniary, monetary or otherwise gain to me only to raise political issues. And partially, you know, using satire, but for, but but totally First Amendment protected, you know, full-scale First Amendment protection. I would be, you know, talking and and and, and uh, in the in the voice of, of these different people, and these people do it all the time on on the radio, on TV, and, and on social media. And I would be raising uh, political issues, doing that. And I saw that there was nothing wrong with it. Uh, I was fully protected by the First Amendment, and uh, I I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. So the
1: the motivation behind it I, and I agree I, I don't really see the crime there but the motivation behind uh creating a a fake uh web, a Facebook page for a an assembly member or a district attorney or a city council member whomever is it is it satire or is it to fool people into thinking that uh these politicians are taking positions that they were not taking
0: Well that's, that's actually, one of the, the allegations against me was that I was, uh, putting, uh, positions that people weren't taking. Uh, I was put, I was putting words in their mouth. I was, I was trying to mislead the public. I was trying to do X, Y, and Z. Now, the first thing I have to say to that is the Supreme Court of the United States says that you have no obligation to tell the truth in politics. They said it on several occasions. Justice Breyer, who's retiring, Uh, In oral arguments in the case, raised the hypothetical. What happens when the Nazis knock on your door and they ask you, are there Jews under the floorboards?
1: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50 percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this Let's listen to the facts
0: and beat the stigma Ohio challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org you know so yeah, there's there's points when you when you have speech to, to, to in politics and in, in, in certain situations where you're not obligated to, to tell truth and sometimes a falsehood is something that's th- that's the right thing to do uh, the second point on that is the things that I said in this particular case about particular people were you know, generally true. Uh, there was an assembly uh, a candidate, a woman, who in, in 2009 was a Democrat. Uh, she ran in 2017 as a Republican. In 2009, uh, you have pictures of her standing with uh, Bill de Blasio uh, with uh, John Luisi from Staten Island, who was the candidate for borough president, who was a, a huge de Blasio supporter. Uh, you have you know, other people uh, 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 from Staten Island politics. And uh, at that point, she was in lockstep with 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 Bill de Blasio. She wanted to build the Bill de Blasio to be elected mayor. She was a Democrat. She didn't come out against him. So this was your way
1: this was your way of highlighting aspects of political candidates' records that they may not have wanted highlighted, for
0: instance. Well exactly. That's something that has to be explained. How do you how do you how do you in two thousand and nine, in lockstep with de Blasio? Uh, and uh, then by by 2017 you've had this uh you know sure uh we ro- yeah, the we don't, to yeah, we don't need
1: to go into her um or, or anyone else's uh the nuts and bolts of their spot. You made the decision to plead guilty, and I I don't blame you, and I think anybody that's been through the ringer of the criminal justice system knows that whether it's the federal system or the state system, the pressure to plea is overwhelming, and they do everything they can to discourage you from actually going to trial and contesting the charges. Now you have filed uh, some paperwork to disqualify the special prosecutor in your case and take back your guilty plea in this fake uh, Facebook page uh, the case. Is that right, uh, number one? And why are you doing this, number two?
0: Number one, I filed uh, uh, something in the appellate division of the Supreme Court's second department on Monroe Place in Brooklyn. And that is a, a notice of appeal, and I want to appeal uh, as a matter of law uh, the, 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 the fact that the plea that I took was uh, an illegal plea. Uh, insofar as the mode of proceeding that it was, it was uh, one that was not allowed under the laws of the state of New York. And I'll get into that a little more. But to answer your, your, your second question, and yes, I'm looking in, in a second filing uh, in the Richmond County Supreme Court uh, to disqualify the special prosecutor and to to, to preclude him from taking any more fees, this guy has, has taken half. I think half a million dollars. I'm trying to seek the records through FOIL right now, but he's spending half a million dollars on basically a couple of, of misdemeanors uh, on what's appearing more and more to be some type of vendetta. Uh, they so I want this this uh, this prosecutor to be cut off, and I think that he should be kicked off the case too because he has a history uh, when he was an 18B panel attorney for fraudulent billing. For, for misrepresenting billing, and so he was overbilling the city of New York and the state of New York and the taxpayers before, and I believe he's doing that now, and I believe that when you're acting as a prosecutor, that type of dishonesty doesn't cut it. I think you should be held to a higher standard, and he should be gone. Uh There's also other things. He's filed some false documents in the court. He's made misrepresentations to the court. He's done things that, that nobody in good conscience could say this guy can continue. So
1: if you, if you have your druthers, A, the special prosecutor will be dismissed and cut off. But B, ultimately, you want to take back your guilty plea.
0: Yes, that's that's the legal issue. This is a very uh, it's it's a novel legal issue. This is a, really an issue of first impression. It hasn't been to an appellate division or to the Court of Appeals of New York, which is the highest court in the state. And that the issue is about when you can take a, a, a plea and where you can take a plea and how you can take a plea. And it's presumed under the criminal procedure law that arraignments and pleas and sentencings, uh, they're fundamental proceedings in the case, and that you have to be present for those proceedings uh, physically in the courtroom. Uh, there's uh, a, a, an exception for, 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 for pleas and, and for sentences for only for misdemeanor cases under the procedure law, and that's only with a very specialized affidavit. Um, so that, that, the first of all, the, the, it, there's, there's, there's no law that allows it, uh, you know, generally in the criminal procedure law. Now there's, uh, because of COVID and because of, um, you know, the technology and, and, whatnot, there's, there's something called, um Article 182, which is, allows for, uh, you know, telephonic or or, or, or virtual or video, uh, proceedings, uh, when it's not an arraignment, not a plea and not a sentencing. So it allows for that to happen, uh, for, for non-essential portions of, of the case. But, uh, it, it specifically says it's, it's, it, it, it can't happen for a clear sentence. And it says that under the, the rules of the chief administrative judge as well. Uh, now fast forward to COVID. We're in the middle of COVID and the, the, uh, the governor of the state of New York issues an executive order because of the deplorable conditions at Rikers Island. Rikers Island, you know, was was in bad shape. There's people sick with COVID. There's a short uh, shortage of staff and they don't want to transfer people back and forth to the courts. They're prisoners uh, to, to the courthouses. So they said, let's just do this uh, by video plea, you know, through the uh, through through the technology we have during COVID. Let's do this with the the prisoners there so we can save the the, the manpower uh, to keeping the prison safe and and doing other things. Well, that was an executive order that applied to Rikers Island. The actual title of the executive order talks about Rikers Island and Rikers Island alone. Well, they expanded that a little bit to allow for pleas, you know, for people who were out of prison, uh, you know, in in different courts. And uh, there's, there's some case law out there about that now from, from the Supreme court in, 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 in Manhattan. Uh, And so, uh, what happened was uh, they, they, the, the, the executive order never talked about somebody in my situation. I was somebody who was in federal prison serving a federal sentence in the custody of the federal government, and yet I had a state case in New York. Now, the, 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 the executive order didn't allow for a video plea. That's that's my legal contention. And additionally, the, the way that uh, this should have been handled was already uh, told by the legislature back in 1974. There's something called the uh, Interstate Agreement on Detainers. And that talks about transferring prisoners from federal custody into state custody uh, to face cases uh, within a speedy time uh, to uh, to respect speedy trial rights. That never happened in my case. So So I was never in the custody of the New York uh, State Department of Corrections. I was never in New York State. I was in a federal facility in Pennsylvania. I could have been on the dark side of the moon taking that plea because there were no New York State police officers, no New York State uh, correctional officers, uh, nobody from New York State there to even uh, quantify or qualify the fact that I was in the room. Uh, The fact is that there's a presumption of regularity that attaches when you're you're a prisoner in the the custody of the New York State, New York York City correction system or in a prison or, or in the court or in an attorney's office or someplace else in New York State. I could have been anywhere. And and, and the fact I was, I was in a room and there were uh, there there was all sorts of uh, things happening, which I'm I'm, I I, it's just I'm not going to get into it now. But I I was there's no regularity that attaches to that. There's no New York state hook to someone sitting in a federal prison taking a a plea, because if that's the case, I could be sitting in a prison in in the Ukraine, uh, you know, uh, avoiding shells and take a plea in New York state. It just doesn't it, it doesn't have any legal uh, the, the legal significance and the presumption of regularity that's needed under New York. Law.
1: Understood. So the in addition to wanting the prosecutor dismissed, your basis for appealing your guilty plea is because you're saying Governor Cuomo's executive order specified Rikers Island, number one, and um, did made no mention of taking pleas by video from federal prisons in Pennsylvania.
0: Exactly. That's that's a that's a bridge too far. If they're going to say the, the people in, in in New York State custody can do it, that's fine. But he can't without without talking about the interstate agreement on detainers, which is an agreement between the fifty states and the federal government. Each of the fifty states and the federal government, they can't they can't do that. He can't do it on its own. He can't suspend that on its own. It's it's a matter of of a uh, of a compact now, between the federal government and the states
1: let's say you're successful in this richard let's say the appellate division says yes congratulations you can um take back your guilty plea and then let's say, wouldn't the logical consequence of that would be you'd go to trial again right and if you go to trial couldn't you get sentenced to more
0: prison time well, here's the thing. First, it would go, go back to pretrial stage, and I would still have the opportunity to file pretrial motions. And I believe that if I file pretrial motions in this case, as a matter of law, what, what the, uh, the, the, the prosecutor approved in the, in the grand jury or presented in the grand jury doesn't amount to, to, uh, to criminal charges. So I'm going to ask the court to, to look at the grand jury minutes and knock out, you know, I think it's a 17 count indictment to knock out all 17 of these counts. I think after I'm done there might be one or two counts left standing that's how this was a, an exercise for for a first year law student in 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 uh, issue finding and find the, the most uh, uh, outlandish uh, charges you can bring against somebody that was it was 17 charges and and there nothing nothing's going to stick if I get to bring a motion uh, to the judge uh, to go into those grand jury minutes and and to look at the legal sufficiency of what was presented at with the law because I have a strong first amendment defense To everything uh, that's there, almost every charge, and that First Amendment defense is 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 uh, is one that's not you know has to be proved beyond a reasonable doubt. It only has to be proved by me by a preponderance of the evidence, and that creates a a burden on the prosecutor when they're in the grand jury to to overcome that as well. So he's got a lot of problems. This guy he's he now he's not he's not even the first prosecutor actually. The fact is that the Tom Torme... Was was first appointed on this case back in 2017 when all this broke, and Tom Tormey did some investigation, and Tom Tormey said, "There's no case here. First Amendment." He has the, the same legal opinion that you did, Frank, that that this is First Amendment is pretty pretty broad and protects uh, political discourse. Well, what happened was in in, in 2018, uh, the, the the female who ran for the assembly uh, hired a former U.S. attorney uh to basically uh, nudge the federal prosecutors and the state prosecutors to try to get me prosecuted for something. They even went so far as to put an article in the Daily Mail in uh in the UK laying out their whole uh the case because nobody in the United States would 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 touch it because of the first amendment. And there's no first amendment over in the UK. So uh, enter this this current special prosecutor. Uh he comes in and he's got, he's full of, of piss and vinegar and he's got uh, something, something to prove and he's got a free reign on the government checkbook to, to, to amass bills after bills after bills. And he uh, convenes this huge grand jury against me. And I'm, uh, mind you, already in federal prison at this point. Uh, but he convenes this huge grand jury that the Democratic party then uses as a huge uh, campaign a uh, piece. The, yeah. The surrogate, no, the city I, I surrogate. remember.
1: I remember. The um,
0: surrogate uses uses it. The former borough president uses it as a a, a huge a uh, uh, political tool. Are you uh, Are you representing yourself at this point? At this point, you know, it's a legal argument. I I don't think anybody has studied this stuff for the past few years better than me. I can imagine. I, I think that I I, I I'm, I'm I'm laser focused on this issue. Uh, you know, I'm I, I, I'm I'm trying to stick to the law here, uh, and I think that you know the next couple of hurdles that I have are legal hurdles, and I think I'm the best person to do it. And uh, so I,
1: all told, how much time did you end up serving in federal prison?
0: Well, and that's 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 a good point because you ask, well, well Rich, can, couldn't they, they they bring you back to to trial and give you more time? I have three years worth of jail credit, in, in, for in for New York State, so I'm playing with house money at this point. Does anybody really think that fake Facebook page is going to land me in jail for three more yeah. than three well, years? Well, that's,
1: that's that's a fair point, uh, Richard. As something tells me we're going to be hearing a lot more about this case. So the next step in this case is what? We're waiting to hear back from the appellate division. Well, um, I'm supposed to
0: have I'm supposed to have a uh, a hearing on April seventh in Richmond County Supreme Court. I called them up to try to figure out how I'm going to do that because I'm on U.S. probation and I can't leave the Middle District of Florida. So I want to see what they're doing. They, I called them up the other day. They haven't called me back. I, I don't know if they're playing games. I sent a letter to the judge. But we're also waiting on the appellate division second department because I filed a motion uh, to proceed in forma pauperis, which is, you know, I'm, I'm basically indigent at this point. They've taken everything from me and to proceed uh, pro se by myself, uh, for myself, in the appellate division. And I, I'm waiting for the appellate division to hand that down uh, to, to allow me to proceed. Richard,
1: on that note, I have to end it there. Uh, we'll talk again. Please keep us posted on this.
0: All right. Thank you, Fred. Thank
1: you. 800